Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back everyone to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette. And today I have an episode for you all about the pros and cons of getting a master's degree abroad. It's a topic that I'm really excited about because I myself am abroad and wish I had pursued these opportunities much sooner. And I also have a really special guest, a longtime friend of mine, um, his name is Dr. Max Schneider, and he is an applied statistician who recently got his PhD in statistics from the University of Washington. He starts in May as a research statistician in the operational aftershock forecasting team at the U.S. Geological Survey. His research is on the quantification and visualization of uncertainty in spatial and spatial temporal models of natural disasters, such as, earth, such as earthquakes and hurricanes. And there's actually a lot more to Max, which I'm sure he's going to mm -hmm. share <laughs> as I ask him a little bit more about himself. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Max. I'm happy to have you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Yvette. I'm, I'm really happy to be speaking with you and your listeners. Of course. So for those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your backstory, what led you to pursuing graduate study abroad and then a PhD in statistics in, back in the U.S.? So tell us a little bit more about that experience. <laughs> yeah. And I know you're, you're abroad now, so you can also chat about that. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So maybe I'll start with where I am now. Um, so I'm sitting in Berlin, Germany. Um, I've been here for a few months uh, working as a postdoctoral researcher at the German Research Center for Geosciences. Uh, and what I'm working on here is the visualization of seismic hazard in Germany. So seismic hazard is just how much the ground is going to shake due to earthquakes. And we can, we can estimate that using physical and statistical models. And then my work is to take the outputs of those models and think about how best to visualize them in a map. And so we're using these principles from visualization and statistical research uh, to improve how we make these seismic hazard maps and to test them against the, the starting maps, the baseline maps that we had before. Um, yeah, so I, you know, my work is all about like, you know, this earthquake modeling, uh, which requires statistics and seismology, geophysics, but also this, um, you know, visualization and risk communication about these earthquake models so that people can understand what is it that we did and why is it important. Uh, and so that requires, you know, computer science and psychology and behavioral science to understand how these different ways of, um, you know, visualizing and communicating about earthquake risk, how they affect people and which ones have actually the desired effects. Interesting. And I know you from our time in California. How did you get yes. from California to Germany? 
<laughs> yeah. So I, to answer that question, I think I have to start all the way back um, yeah. to where I was born. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's what we want to hear. Which, Go. <laughs> yeah. Day zero. Um, so day zero was in Ukraine. That's where my family's wow. from. And yeah. Um, and so we moved, uh, most of my family moved to the U.S. when I was Five. We settled in Northern California near San Francisco when I was seven. So I grew up in Northern California. And, you know, like in most immigrant families, I grew up with a strong focus on school and grades, but also in doing other extracurricular things to kind of balance yourself out. And, and I grew up doing a lot of community service um, and in high school, even leading my community service organizations. Uh, at the same time, I, I was excelling in math and science. Um, I, I was able to skip a grade in middle school for math. And so I, you know, that kind of pushed me to, to like get better and better at math. And, but I, I also really thought science was cool because it was like these practical problems, right? So I, um, by the time I got to UCLA, which is where we met, yeah. um, and, and we met in, an, in a context completely outside, <laughs> like community service or math or science. Yeah. <laughs> um, we met in theater. Yes. Um, <laughs> so shout out to Hooligan. Yes. And, <laughs> and all the all the theater organizations at UCLA that yeah. um, you know a lot of us non theater students um were were participating in um and so yeah so I was doing that I uh but I I thought that I wanted to study science and so I I thought I wanted to study chemistry specifically and I was taking a lot of chemistry classes and math classes in the in the first year at UCLA and I I found I liked my math classes more so in my second year I was like well why don't I try like a statistics class just kind of see what that's like and it was such a cool class. Um, so it was a probability class applied to poker. And in class, we would the professor would play like uh, some televised poker tournament. And then he would pause the, the clip right before they revealed the last card. And we would calculate the probability that you know, some player would get a full house or three of a kind or you know, whatever combination. And I thought it was so cool that we could translate like an actual problem in the world to this probability statement and then calculate it and get the, the actual number that, that we wanted to know. So um, I, I ended up studying statistics, uh, pursuing a major in that, uh, but you know, I was still really interested in the humanities and the social sciences. I, I did a minor in human complex systems, which was this really cool interdisciplinary social science minor at UCLA. Um, and I also got to do a, a semester abroad in London. And, and so I, I was able to do a research project with a professor at the University College London. Like that's kind of, I went there to do this research project. And, and I got my first foray into research um, actually, in my first year at UCLA, when I was exploring the options in chemistry, I uh, met this atmospheric chemist and started working with him, you know, my first year, just, just helping out in his lab. Um, and that, that got me really excited about environmental research and earth science research. And, and then I met this 
environmental statistician in London. Uh, and he invited me to come and do a research project there, um, you know, in the middle of, of my undergrad. And I didn't really know so much what I was doing, but it sounded really exciting. <laughs> You've always been one to take risks. I, I always admired that about you. I would have been so nervous to go abroad. <laughs> But I guess that's, Thank you know, you. that's a lot of transitions. Like you said, being a child of immigrants, going to college, all those things are prepping you for this. Totally. And, you know, I, I didn't really know anyone in London, but I knew that the topic was interesting to me and that, um, that I really wanted to get this international experience on my own rather than, you know, in mm -hmm. my family trips um, to visit my grandparents and, and things like that. So I, I, I did that, I, um, I really, really enjoyed it. It also had a lot of challenges and, and I'm sure we'll come back to, to those. Um, but I came back to, to LA, finished my, my degree and um, was working. Uh, so I, I didn't wanna do a master's or graduate program straight away because I, I wanted to do something kind of practical, right? Like that was the community service element in me. Like I wanted to yes. give back in some way or, or, or to do something that, that wasn't all that academic um, immediately after being a student for so long. So I was working for nonprofits, um, kind of doing statistical analysis um, for several nonprofits in the San Francisco area. Uh, and after a little while of that, um, so in 2012, uh, I had two family trips planned to Ukraine that, um, that I kind of committed to because my grandparents were still living in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And I, um, they were in March and June of 2012. And I, I was thinking at the time, you know, what am I gonna do? I, I, I didn't, I, I was kind of ready for a change um, after a year of, of working in nonprofits. I, I was actually interested in going back and, and doing something academic. And so I reached out to um, like all of my professors and all the contacts that I'd made uh, in my undergrad and just asked if anyone knew of any opportunities in Europe, because I was going to be in Ukraine anyway um, in March and in June of 2012. So was this, and, this was planned out as in you, you knew you wanted to be in Europe and you knew you wanted to pursue grad school there. Is, is that what I'm hearing? So the first <laughs> Or were thing, you yes, looking for opportunities just because you were going to be there, but short-term opportunities? It was more that. It was okay. more the second one. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was just kind of um, looking for both something to fill that time, but something that would take me back into the academic context. But I wasn't really like, I had no thought in my head about pursuing a, um, a master's in Germany. Like, so, I mean, I didn't speak a word of German when I got to <laughs> Berlin. Uh, so so yeah, basically what happened was I, I had, I met this guy who had just finished his PhD in the same department where I finished my bachelor's, the Department of Statistics at UCLA. And he was doing a postdoc uh, in a research center, actually the one that I'm working in now. Um, and, and so he invited me to come and do an internship with him for those few months that I had in between the family trips. And I thought, well, that would be exciting. And, and that was, you know, 
this earthquake science research center. And I knew that it was a really exciting topic, something I was interested in. So I said, sure, let's do it. Um, and yeah, I mean, one thing led to another. So the internship worked really, really well. Um, it turned into a, a short-term job uh, and they could only offer me a short position because, um, well, it, it was, they didn't really have like a position available for me. So they kind mm. of had like a guest position that they could offer me. And then they were like, well, it would be a lot easier to keep you on in the team if you were a student, then we can offer you a student position. And that's like something set up that we have available. Um, and so I thought about it and I, I was loving my time in Berlin. I was really enjoying um, the experience of this research center and this topic of earthquake science and modeling earthquakes and testing them and kind of this mix of stats in earthquakes. And so I said, sure, let's try it, why not? And, and that's what led to, um, yeah, this long-term move uh, in 2012 to Germany, to Berlin. Um, the, the master's program was filled with challenges, um, yeah. which we'll, we'll kind of go, go, go into, but just to, to like kind of jump to where I went next. Um, so after finishing the, the master's in, um, in Germany, I, I searched for a PhD. I wanted to, to get a PhD in, in statistics and continue this kind of applied environmental research. And I did a global search and ended up with a great opportunity at the University of Washington, but with many um, kind of returns to Berlin and Germany to work with both my old research group at that, at that earthquake center, but then a, a different research group as I got into this like psychology of visualizations work. Um, and so I, I, after five years in Germany, I spent another five years kind of going back and forth between Seattle, University of Washington, and, and Berlin and Potsdam. That's, um, that's really interesting because you're just showing how there are so many possibilities that are out there that we don't even know of. And we think, oh, I'm just gonna apply. You actually reached out to your network and then from one thing led to another to another. Um, I wanna hear a little bit more about specifically the pros and cons of that time, your experience um, back and forth and in the master's program abroad. And totally. I'm happy to have you share, I don't know if you prefer to share the, the pros first or the cons first. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we can start with the challenges and then kind of get to the, the benefits or the pros or the things that you gained from it. Sure, sure. We, we will end on the good note. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So th there's definitely difficulties in, in any kind of abroad study experience. Um, I'll, I'll try to distinguish between those that I think were specific to Germany and to my experience, and then those that I think might be general across other international uh, study experiences. So uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> one that was really tough for me was the language barrier. Yes. Um, I, so my, my program was um, 
not an international master's program. Uh, so there's, there's several kinds of master's programs in Germany. There's ones where everything is taught in English and they're um, attracting an international cohort of students. Um, that was not my program. Mm. My program was um, largely in German. And so I was told um, that there would be plenty of opportunities to take English language classes. And, and that's how I got out of the German language requirement. The program basically wrote a letter ah. saying, Max, you can all in English. Um, and when I showed up for the classes that I, okay, so also one more important thing is that my program was in mathematics, <laughs> which is not really what I studied in my undergrad. I studied statistics. I studied a very applied environmental statistics. Um, in fact, like the, the um, most math that I took for my my statistics major um well in germany that's still considered like high school math oh. <laughs> so oh wow <laughs> and so i was jumping into a very rigorous and intense mathematics master's program and on my first day my classes were all in german oh, <laughs> oh my goodness i can only imagine the overwhelm <laughs> <laughs> the overwhelm it was it was pretty massive um and I also I mean this was kind of a personal challenge then but my university was in Potsdam is in Potsdam which is like a beautiful city it's got big palaces and parks it's where the Kaisers would go for their like summer weekend getaways but uh, it's about an hour and a half from where I was living in in Berlin, and so I had these super long train rides. Whereas at UCLA, I was like living across the street from campus, mm -hmm. so I I now had these super long train rides in the early mm -hmm. morning, and 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 then you know I had to come into a German only environment. Mm -hmm. um, but so I I figured out a way to kind of hit both birds with that stone there um so every every week um i would make this stack of flashcards uh for like whatever the topic of my lectures was uh for that week <coughs> mm -hmm. and and I would just sit on the train and I would have ample time to go through those flashcards multiple times wow. and really commit those words to memory. Um, I was taking a German class, you know, at the language center on campus mm -hmm. as well, but it was, it was really German one. Mm -hmm. So I, I um, had to do a lot of self-study. I had to take a lot of time with, you know, like office hours with my professors and and also really work with my classmates. Were they um, patient but, with you, given the language barrier? I, I think I think they really took pity on me. Oh, okay. <laughs> because they they I mean a lot of them had already done the bachelor's program in mm -hmm. that um, same university, so they came straight in from the bachelor's program into the master's program. And, and that's another thing that's a bit different about the, the European um, approach to graduate education is that a lot of, so like master's programs are, um, are usually disconnected from PhD programs. Mm -hmm. um, the, like, the so they're not MA, program, PhD, they're more like 
an extension of the VA or what, or can you distinguish? I, so I, I would, I would say it's, it's kind of like an extension of the VA. It's, it's a, um, like you're getting deeper into the, um, into the field mm -hmm. and also, um, um, the, because I've Sorry, seen some programs, for instance, like um, at UC Santa Barbara, and a lot of the, the STEM programs, engineering programs, these students, if they meet certain qualifications, they just go straight into a master's program, and it's one year, and then all of a sudden they leave, they, they leave with their BA and their master's degree. And I, I always mm -hmm. got the impression that the master's programs were right. different and not as advanced, I guess, per se, as the, the PhDs, or is, is that a mis <laughs> misinterpretation or, uh, you know, because I haven't done it. I haven't pursued a graduate study abroad. So this is an area where you're teaching me. Right. Um, before I answer your question, I'm just, I, I think maybe my um, headphones are no longer giving the audio. Could you tell me if, if you're hearing I the hear audio? I hear you fine. Yeah, I think we're good. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, great. Great. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, to answer your question, it, it, it's a slightly different system because um, they're used to, so in Germany, actually in every European country, they used to have kind of their own approach to education. And in, in Germany, for example, there was a single degree program that ended with a diploma mm -hmm. um, that was the equivalent of a master's degree. Um, it was called a diploma. You did a thesis at the end of it. And it was a four or five year program. Um, so then when the and so like every European country had a, a different way and most of them actually didn't have dedicated master's programs they just had either like you know something short before the phd or something mm. short after the like a postback program or what do you mean when you say something short um yes so like like either it was a separate program um kind like a master's in the u.s basically yeah. um or it was it was like some special preparation prior to doing the PhD, um, or it was like in the German style, kind of this one program that encompasses both bachelors and masters. I see. And, and then um, there's been a standard standardization of the European educational systems that now like every country has both has masters and bachelors as separate programs mm. and um, what that's done in germany for example is it's created all these interesting opportunities for international masters programs because now departments have to you know figure out how they're doing their masters education and a lot of them are um, taking the opportunity to internationalize and to like, you know, really expand their offerings and, and especially offer a lot of English language masters instruction. Is, is this a recent shift or was this already in existence when you were there for your program? It started a couple years before I got there. So it's oh, like, I you know, see. 12 okay. to 15 years old that, that this has been around. Um, so I was, uh, 
my program, like I mentioned, it wasn't an international program, mm -hmm. but um, the, uh, I, so one of the benefits, we're talking about challenges, but then also benefits of, um, of international programs is that, or sorry, of, of master's programs abroad, is that uh, you could really benefit actually from a lot of different universities. Mm -hmm. uh, in in the German system, I think it, this holds across a lot of European systems. You're allowed to take classes and work at other um, other universities. So I ended up taking a lot of classes at the Berlin University. So the other three oh. universities in the Berlin area, and I um, I took some classes in these international English language master's programs at other universities, which were in their infancy. So I was one of the, the guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, they're really like, you know, a lot of them are excellent programs and um, they also really attract, you know, as they're in, intended to this international cohort of students. And, and I think that's another huge benefit of, of being um, in an international master's program or, or any kind of you know, master's program abroad is that you're an international student and you're surrounded by lots of other international students. I was taking classes with people from Slovakia to Brazil to Tanzania to Australia, like just across the world people were coming and and so you gain this exposure, not just to the country that you're living in, but to all these other perspectives from around the world. Right. And, and I think that really, like, yeah, it, it develops um, a lot in you and it develops your network in this really amazing way. Um, and it changes how you see yourself how you see yourself in the world. Yeah. Um, how you it, identify it, 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 too, because where you are also shifts how you relate to other people and how other people view you, you know? <laughs> like, you know, Absolutely. I didn't think about myself much as I'm American, as much as my time now where I open my mouth and people instantly know I'm from the US. <laughs> right, right. And so, you know, you gain a lot of humility mm -hmm. in that experience, I think you, um, but you really gain that through this change in perspective. Like all of a sudden I'm not, I'm not just, you know, like surrounded by, let's say people like me, people with the same cultural background or the same you know, national background. I, um, I'm surrounded by people who, come from everywhere and um yeah and like I think that that develops such a richness of experience and of opinions and and kind of giving you this like different leverage point from how you see your own background your own life story you know um so what I, what I'm hearing from you and your experience is that from the side of the challenges there was this very big language barrier because you weren't in an international program per se, you were in a master's program with other German speakers and had to learn German from, from zero, from level one in a graduate level 
program and in a discipline that wasn't necessarily one you were 100% trained in. So that's a lot. And, uh, and you had a long commute. So many, many challenges. But then on the opposite end of things, you gained a lot, you gained the experience of this training, expanding your network, meeting a global community, learning another language. I don't, I I feel like um, I'm wondering if you could go back in time, is this still the trajectory, the route that you would take of pursuing a master's degree in this way, or would you have preferred to go straight into the international program? Because sometimes I wonder that I, I'm living in, in Portugal and I'm in a city south yeah. of Portugal where there are more locals than there are quote unquote expats or immigrants or just foreigners. And so for right. me, I, I get that exposure of the language and that shock and um, that humility all the time of like, oh, I really need to learn this language because no one's going to talk to me in English. <laughs> and so I, I wonder, because I can imagine that you probably learned, at, you know, just like at an exponential rate because you were forced to, as opposed to if you were in an international community, maybe you would have, you wouldn't, I don't know, maybe it would have been different. So what you, would you you're, have you're done differently? I guess on. is another question of mine is, do, do, would you have done it mm. differently or what would you have done differently? That's a great question. I don't know. I, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of, um, yeah, be real, but then also keep it positive because I, I do feel really good about where I am now. Uh, but at the time, it was a huge struggle. And, yeah. you know, another a, another issue um, that I think every international student um, experiences is culture clash. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I had not only culture clash, but I also had climate clash because Ooh. I grew up in California. <laughs> and, Talk about you know, that. I... Before I started my um, master's program in the fall semester, right, I I got, you know, this beautiful summer in Berlin and everything was great. And and I, I was lucky. I had a lot of friends already in Berlin. Somehow, like, I, I had a, some really good connections also for my time in London who were in Berlin. So, like, socially, you know, I was in a good space, but but then winter came. And mm. I was in this master's program surrounded by Germans. And, you know, I had never experienced a winter before. That was my first one, like a full fledged. It was also the greatest winter oh. on record in Germany, like the least number of sunlight hours. Mm. I got a vitamin E deficiency. Mm. I, my, my vision started to deteriorate, actually. Like I had to get glasses. So, Wait, like, I mean, was that related to the weather? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if that was because of the, the low sunlight hours, but I'm gonna I'm gonna blame it at least partially, you know. Um, but literally, I remember I was sitting in a, a final exam. Um, it was my second semester, and and like my vision was like starting to shake, like I I couldn't oh. see the paper anymore, and I did not do great on that exam. But I went and got glasses right after that, mm. so. There were challenges mm-hmm. that I definitely had, uh, you know, that affected my mental health. Yeah. Um, it was, it was not an immediate recovery. I had to like 
get diagnosed and treated for the vitamin D deficiency yeah. and for, you know, my vision impairment. And, and so I had to start taking care of myself in new ways. And, um, and it, it is hard to do that in a different country where you're still learning the language and, um, you know, life happens wherever you are. And so, but what I will say is that that really built this, resourcefulness mm -hmm. and this resilience and this kind of problem solving capacity and because like you said I was forced to do a lot of my education in German um, I mean I'm also lucky that I grew up bilingual mm -hmm. and so I, I had some language and then you know I, I took Spanish in um, high school and college and shout out to the Hispano Blantes in Berlin because they really <laughs> helped me like, my Spanish strong too. So acquiring German was difficult, but it was, it wasn't my first new language. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I, I did have to overcome those things and figure out how. And, and I think when you do that, you develop a lot of capabilities that you didn't have before. And, and so I'm actually really happy that I had that experience because I think if I had just done an international English only masters, I would not have my German nearly at the level. Um, you know, I, I, German is probably like my best second language now. And yeah. it's only because I had to really dive feet first into it and learn how to swim and um, I'm really, really grateful for the consequences of, uh, yeah, of the journey through those obstacles. This is um, great because I'm glad that you're not just focusing on the positive. I know it can be really easy and tempting to want to romanticize our time abroad. And that's <laughs> a lot of what we see on social media and blogs. And the truth of the matter is that there are good times and bad times. There are, there are, you know, challenges and there are benefits that you gain from this time. So it's helpful to get your input from your own experience. Now, for listeners who are hearing you and have that, that travel bug or they have that sense that they want to pursue graduate study abroad, and they've been thinking about this, I want to get my master's degree abroad or I want to pursue any type of program abroad, what kind of advice do you have to offer them if they're, if they're interested, but they're a little nervous or not sure where to start? Yeah. Um, so I would say use your resources. Um, there, so the internet is a big place with a lot of information and, and especially uh, universities. Um, you know, every university is different and every country system is a bit different in terms of how much they advertise or um, inform or recruit online. But I would, I would start with searching around and I would start with trying to get in contact with both the professionals at those universities that you might be interested in, um, the, the, 
when I say professionals, I mean the administrators in the departments. Um, there's often folks whose job it is to speak to international students. Um, there's, there's centers for that in, in different uh, universities or kind of collections of universities. Um, another really good way of getting some information about how it actually is, is from people who are doing programs right now or who have just graduated from those programs. And so you can find those people with LinkedIn searches. You can find those people through your own networks if you have any connections at those universities, maybe through your, um, your professors or, or, or just anyone who you might meet like I, I mean, sometimes you have to send out a few of those uh, information request emails, but someone will finally respond and, and will, will be happy to talk to you. And um, I think persistence is essential because <laughs> um, things don't always work out on the first go. Um, and, and that's really, you know, Another life lesson from that international study experience, like it will not always be um, easy right away or, mm -hmm. or like you won't necessarily get your goals accomplished um, immediately. Like maybe it'll take a little bit longer than you anticipate, but that scenic route to your destination um, is, is often so much more rewarding and useful long-term. Um, yeah, so, so I would say really like use your resources and your networks as much as possible to get information ahead of time to you know, know everything you need for the application process and for like what it would mean to be successful in that program in that country. I really love what you said about that scenic route being the most rewarding long-term. <laughs> but, but it's usually longer. The scenic <laughs> route is not the quick, it's not the expressway. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and the, like the thing that I would, would add to that, and especially for folks who might be in a, a master's program abroad right now, is that you really have to trust yourself and not your ego. <laughs> mm. and, and that's been, you know, a really great um, lesson for, for me is that like your ego will be bruised um, mm. by, by doing any kind of graduate program and any kind of international experience, but the two together, like, yeah, you can expect to, to have long stretches where you feel like you don't know very much maybe nothing at all, nobody <laughs> understands you, and you're not even sure how to order lunch. And so, <laughs> That's that, so happens. that totally happens. Um, I still get nervous ordering lunch. <laughs> you will end up getting some lunch, you will get fed, you will figure it out. Like, and I guess when I say trust yourself, not your ego, what I mean really is, Trust your resilience, your perseverance, your ability to withstand, um, because that's actually you at your core. And, and you know, your ego will bounce back, your, your confidence will return, your, um, you know, perspective will, will get sunnier, as, especially if you figure out ways to take care of yourself in that new environment. 
but that resilience, that perseverance, it'll get sharpened and, and it's actually what's going to get you to the finish line. That's great. That's a wonderful way to wrap up today's show. Now for folks who resonated with what you said and they want to connect after this, is there a way for them to reach you? Sure. Um, I mean, I'm happy to, to give my email address um, or any social, I think, I'm not sure if you're yeah, on. Maybe, Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. My handle is M Schneider stats. Um, so all together, lowercase one word, M Schneider stats. Um, anyone who's interested in, in those research areas of kind of visualization, communication, um, and modeling of uh, natural hazards and earthquakes, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk to any students who are interested in that direction. And if you um, want to hear more or just get inspired to do an international study experience, I'd be happy to be that person. So don't hesitate to reach out on Twitter. Um, and, and my email address is, is also easy to find online or, or maybe we put it in the in the show notes too. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to include your, your Twitter handle and email in the show notes. Thank you once again, Max. It's been so nice to have this conversation with you and for you to share your knowledge, your experience, your wisdom with my listeners. It's been really nice having you. It's been such a pleasure for me that I, I really love your show and I, yeah, I keep doing what you're doing because it's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the Grad School Femme Drawing Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or email me your review at gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com. You can also show your support by going to gradschoolfemtouring.com and joining my mailing list where you'll receive weekly tips, podcasts and blog updates, as well as discounts for my digital downloads, online courses, and much more. One last thing. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Until next time.